Turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. And we'll begin studying about the resurrection together. That way we have a good understanding of what we're celebrating today. It is a day of celebration as I watch March Madness and I think about um, think about what, what the locker room t- uh, talk is, is like during halftime. I think about Good Friday and, and Silent Saturday, uh, about that halftime moment where you think you've just lost it all and you think uh, there's no hope for us as a, uh, as a team to come back and win this game. And, and you, uh, you're, you're in the locker room, and if you were like my coach in 7th and 8th grade, Coach Boone, you come in there and you kick the trash can, and you try and motivate one another. Hey, we're going to get this done. We're going to win this battle. We're going we're gonna to beat this team that we're about to play. And you know, and you have those people on your team that are just already defeated. They were defeated as, uh, as, de- as, the, as the game began. Uh, the, the first, uh, the first uh, whistle blew and, or, the, or the sound of the, of the, uh, the score board or whatever started and and uh, and they were already they already felt uh, defeated well I think about the disciples about Good Friday and about how uh, it seemed as if all was lost as their uh, what they seemed to think was their savior died on a cross and how they they felt lost and then Saturday sat around in silence and argued with one another and and some of them probably said, I told you so. I told you he wasn't the Messiah. I knew it. I mean, he's dead now. What are we going, what are we going, what are we going to do? And I think about many of us, how we face tragedy and moments every day in our life that we think we want Christ to be Lord of our life. We've even confessed him Lord of our life. But can he truly, can he truly, absolutely, truthfully be Lord of my life? We're, we're at that moment, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago when when Jesus preached just chapters before, when he preached and said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Right at that moment every day where should we seek first Christ above all things? Should he be our priority? Like Paul said when he wrote to the church in Corinth, that I'm preaching to you first what is priority, that Jesus died, that he rose again, that he conquered death, that he is the only thing that we can put our hope in. And if Christ did not Paul says that we're fool, that we are fools, that we should be pitied because of what we're placing our hope in. But thanks be to God that Good Friday happened, that Silent Saturday happened, and that Resurrection Sunday can be celebrated. And this morning, I want us to think just for a few moments together. I don't want to take up too much of your time because I want you to spend the rest of the day reflecting on what Christ has done for you and is doing and will continue to do for you. But think for a moment about truth. You know, we live in a, in a day and time where we constantly are battling, battling against what is truth. Are the things that I'm reading on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, is this truth? The things that I'm hearing on the news, is it truth? The things that people are describing to me about what's happening in the world, is this, is this truth? Are these statistics that are being thrown out uh, and I'm reading and I'm listening to, are these things that are being said truth? You know, we, we really have this, this thought in our world today that is, What's true for me may not necessarily be true for you. And truth is not based on a feeling. It should never be based on a feeling. Truth should always be based upon something that is truth, that is solid, that is grounded, that is accurate. I mean, think for a moment if you went to the bank and you assumed that you had money in the account and you go to the bank teller at the bank and you say, hey, I want to withdraw some funds. And what if the bank teller just looked at you and said, you know what? I'm looking at you, and I don't just—I just don't feel like you have any money in your account. Uh, you would argue, 
I don't care what you feel. Look, look and find out the truth. Do I have money in my account or not? Well, let's just go off this. I, I don't feel like you do today, so I'm not going to give you any funds. You would sit there and argue, and you, you might even throw punches, saying, give me, my, give me my money that's in my account. Find out the truth. But so many of us base everyday life on our feelings, on what we feel, what we feel today. Can you imagine, can you imagine just for a moment, if God governed this world or ruled this world based on what you prefer or on what your feelings are? Some days you would kill the entire world. Some days you would love the world. Some days you would pick out who you love and who you don't love. Some days you would say, I'm hungry. Some days you would say, I'm not hungry. I mean, constantly our feelings change every moment. That's why we have to be connected to and worshiping something that's absolute, that's true, that's never changing, that's an ancient of days that was before time and will be after time. He will be always. We have to put our trust in someone and something that's absolutely absolutely true and if christ really did raise from the from the dead if he really did walk out of the tomb and we really call him lord then he should rule over every bit of our lives not just moments on sunday or moments when we're in need of him or moments when we go on mission trips or moments when we feel like we, we're in desperate need of him because somebody's asking us questions about him but instead, he, he should be our Savior that's saving every moment of our life. He should have authority over every moment of our lives. If the tomb really is empty, and the stone really did move away, and Christ really did walk out of that tomb, then he should rule over every moment of our lives. Matthew 28 We've been studying the Sermon on the Mount together, so I felt like we needed to stay in the, the, the gospel according to, to Matthew. And think for a moment as Matthew is recording this for us, inspired by God, breathed out words that are breathed out from, from God as he's recording this message to us. He writes these things. He says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. I mean, wouldn't you? If the one that you've been following, if the one that you fell desperately in love with, if the one that you saw was going to meet every one of your needs, could heal, could provide, could give hope, could give peace in all circumstances, could speak the wind to stop, could cast demons out of people, could cause the blind to see and the, and the deaf to hear, wouldn't you go see if he was still in the tomb? And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. Angels serve him. Verse 3, His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. Verse 4, And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Dead men. They passed out. This angel appears. Something supernatural happens. And these men who were charged with guarding the tomb, guarding this dead body, became like a dead person in fear of what was happening. Verse 5, But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Matthew's not just writing some story down just so that we can have a good fairy tale to think about. He's writing history down. He's writing a history book here for us to see actual events that happened recorded so that we may know what happened to our Savior, so that we may know what happened to Jesus from Nazareth, so that we may know what happened to Jesus, the one called the Messiah or the Christ. And he writes this down. That this angel begins to speak to these women. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Bold, truthful statements 
We celebrated on, on, on Friday the death of Jesus. We celebrate today the resurrection, the conquering of death, the death and resurrection of Jesus. These two women went to, to search out, to find this one that they've been following for so long, find this one who had for sure been crucified. Verse 6 says this, He is not here, for he has risen as he said. So come, see the place where he lay, and then go quickly, tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee, there you will see him. See, I have told you. These confident, bold, truthful statements that the one that you're seeking is no longer dead. Let me think for a moment all the things that you seek in everyday life. Think about, think about the friends that, that Jesus wept over. His friend Lazarus, who, who died. And then Jesus calls him back from the dead and brings him life again, only later to die again. But Jesus, against all what we know, against everything that we can assume about him, against all experience, dies and then three days later, conquers death and walks out of the tomb and keeps his, and keeps his word. Now, oddly enough, when Matthew writes this story down or writes this history down for us, writes this event for us, their culture is a little bit different from our culture today. Though we still battle this, and ladies, you know all about this, we still battle who we accept information from, who we trust as they share things with us, Ironically here, that's two women who are the first to be at the tomb. Two women to go and share this information with others. I mean, as Matthew's writing this, if it's going to be a hoax or, or going to be a fairy tale or going to be like a dream or, or something that didn't happen or he's trying to persuade others of a lie in this culture, he probably wouldn't have used women to first share that story. People would have begun to say, oh, look, obviously it was women. We don't listen, we don't listen to women. They're not reliable. They're not a reliable source. If Matthew wanted to present it as a lie, surely he would have picked somebody with some status. He would have picked somebody with a with a greater identity, somebody that had some some uh, some some poor or a play in the world, somebody that that would be listened to. Instead, he chose these women to write down. And so, verse eight says this: So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And if we're going to base anything off of feeling this morning, as we talk about Christ, as we talk about what he's done, what he's doing, and what he's going to do, fear and great joy should be the feelings that we have. Fear of what God can do, and joy about what God can do. I mean, as believers, these are the two feelings that we should have often. Fear of God, and joy of God. Verse 8 again, so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said greetings. So as they're running with fear and great joy to tell others, to tell the disciples about what Christ has done, about the tomb being empty, Christ meets them as they're running. And behold, Jesus met them and said greetings. And they came up to him and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. A truthful moment, a point in history, an event, an actual event that happens. That these women see the empty tomb. They hear the angels' words. They follow the angels' words. They go, and on their way to tell others about him, they worship Jesus. Verse 11 says this, while they were going, behold, some of the guard 
uh, went into the city and told the chief priest all that had taken place. So if you ever have a moment of doubt or denial, know that these who are about to try and cover up the story even agreed that the tomb was empty. Verse 12 says this, And when they, assembled with, when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while you were asleep. Which is a better story, right? Hey, you guys fell asleep. You're lazy, and you're you're really um you know hard sleepers, and so you didn't hear the disciples come. Walk up, remove this huge stone, and roll it away. Pull his dead body out. You slept through the whole thing. You had a, a busy day, and so you just were exhausted, and you, so you slept through the whole day. I mean, w- would any of you men say that? Well, I just slept through the whole thing. Well, if it's a diaper changing time, many of us men do sleep through the whole thing. So maybe we can relate for a moment. So these, these leaders, these religious leaders, these guards, bought the lie. They decided to cover up truth. Verse 14, And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and they did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. I mean, even in your own life, Satan is battling against you, wanting to convince you that Christ really isn't Lord, that Christ really doesn't have authority. Even in your own life, you're, you're battling this morning with, if Christ really did raise from the dead this, this many years ago, can I, can I really trust in him? Can I really seek him and his kingdom and his righteousness first? Or are there other things that I should be doing as well? Mandy and I were talking about, uh, you, you know, when it comes to the Easter message, because it's like the Super Bowl of the World Series or, or you know, the final of, the, of March Madness. You really want to preach really, really well. You want to knock it out of the park. You want to bat a thousand like I did as a sophomore in district baseball. One for one. You really want to do the best you can. You really want to do the best you can. And so you begin searching, like, where is this, like, where's this, this special little nugget that I can, that I can preach that nobody else has ever preached before? As you begin reading through the resurrection story, you, you realize the story is all about Jesus. And how often we, we're convinced of lies to cover it up. I mean, your life is not about you. The resurrection from the dead is not about you. It's about Christ and his kingdom, about Christ being glorified, about his will being accomplished, about him taking care of sin and death forever. When we try to make it about ourselves, we've missed what the whole story is really about. So as we move on, verse 16 says this, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee because they heard the, the news. Of, they were told by these women. They went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Can you imagine back at the bank and the bank teller, you finally convinced the bank teller that, that they wouldn't base your account upon their feelings or your feelings but instead would abase your account balance upon truth. And as they started typing in your account number and the screen pops up with your balance, can you imagine for a moment that the balance was a number so large it wouldn't even fit on the screen? There was so much in the account that the bank teller's eyes grow big and say, my feelings were so wrong. 
where I thought you had zero, you have a number we can't even count. You have an unlimited amount of resources here. How could this even be? And then you begin to explain. You see my Savior, the one that I'm married to, the one that I belong to, has adopted me into his family. I have an inheritance larger than anything else ever imaginable. My account is full because my account has been paid. The debts that, are, that belong to me have all been paid by my Savior. And because of that, I'm trusting in Him, basing my life upon facts and truth about Him and Him alone. We live in this world where, where many people doubt and question, mostly question the authority of Jesus. Is Jesus really who He says He is? S- some believe that Jesus didn't die on the cross. S- some believe that that, that instead of dying on the cross, he, he kind of worked his way out of that. The story is there, but he worked his way out of it and didn't actually die on the cross. Some believe that Jesus was only badly wounded and left unconscious. And that the reason why he could get up on the third day and walk is because he, he regained consciousness. Some believe that the women that were in this story went to the wrong tomb. <laughs> some of you may agree with that too. Hey, well, I know some women that go to the wrong places all the time. Maybe this is truth. Some believe the disciples stole his body like the guards tried to and the religious leaders tried to tried to say. Some believe that after Jesus rose from the dead, if he did indeed raise from the dead, because he wasn't really dead or because he didn't really die on the cross, or maybe he did die and, and, and in his death uh, people just saw visions of him and the disciples were just delusional, crazy, drunk on some kind of some kind of drug. You have to make the decision. Believe if you've confessed Christ as Lord and he's Lord of your life, then you believe that Jesus did die on the cross and that he did raise from the dead and walk out of the tomb. And if Jesus rose from the dead, then we must accept everything he said. And if he said he has authority, then he has authority. If he said we shouldn't worry, then we shouldn't worry. If he said that he can give peace, then he can give peace. If he said life should be about him, then life should be about him. Write these things down. If Jesus rose from the dead and we accept everything that he said, then he has his authority is absolute. He has authority over life and death. We worry often about life. And then while we're worrying about life, it moves us to worrying about death. And if Jesus has all authority and has authority over life and death, then we can trust in him and him alone. John 10, 18 says, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. The charge I received from my Father. This charge I received from my Father. Christ has authority to lay his life down, and he has authority to lay his life back up. He has authority over life and death. And we should rest in that truth. If Christ has absolute authority, then his authority is over sin and Satan. 1 Corinthians 15, 55-57 says this, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you battle sin, and Satan battles against you, because of Christ and his lordship, and, his, and because of what he said, we can rest in Jesus. That he has authority over sin and death. And if, if he has authority over life and death and sin and Satan, and because of those things, he has authority over you and me. 
Romans 10, 9-13 says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with, with his heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with his mouth, resulting in salvation. Now the Scripture says, Everyone who believes on Him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek since the same Lord since the same Lord of all is rich to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If Christ can walk out of the tomb, then He has authority over all things. He has authority over life and death, His authority over sin and Satan, and His authority over you and me. And because of that, we can rest in Him. Because Christ's work has been completed. You can rest in Christ. You no longer have to fight this battle on your own. On your own. You no longer have to race or run the race with your own strength, but instead you can rest in Jesus. And if Christ really did walk out of the tomb and He has authority over all, it means that He reigns over us supremely. There is no one else that can reign over us because Christ reigns over all. Philippians 2, 10 and 11 says this, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is no other name that people will bow to. Only the name of Jesus. If Jesus walked out of the tomb and conquered sin and death and has the authority over life and death and he has the authority over you and me, that he can reign supremely over everything. And we should rest in Christ and his completed work. Galatians 2.20 tells us this. Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Here's what we know. If Christ walks out of the tomb and conquers sin and Satan and conquers life and death and has authority over you and me and he reigns supremely, we also know this, that he loves us deeply so much so that when we were weak with sin and his strength he comes and saves us so much so that when he prayed in the garden lord take this cup from me he also followed through with his own teaching of denying self and taking up cross and following with the will of the father saying i want your will to be done so that sin can be conquered forever he loves us so deeply that He wants to provide for every one of our actual needs, change our feelings to match Him, to give us hope of eternal life, but also eternal life. Christ loves us so much that He would suffer for you, simply to adopt you into His family. We know all this because truth is Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through Him. And John 5, 21 through 20, 23 says this, For as the Son raises the dead, so as, for as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom He will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. So we know that He reigns supremely and He loves us deeply, but we also know that He will judge us eternally. The only righteous judge. The only judge that can judge justly. Because he does not base it upon his feelings. He bases it upon his righteousness, his holiness, and his love and grace for you. If these things are all true, and Christ walks out of the tomb, 
then every bit of our life should be lived for him. All our resources belong to him. All our time belongs to him. Every, every moment of our life belongs to him. Christ is working. He has worked and he will continue to work. Christ is reigning. He has reigned and he will continue to reign. He is Lord over all. And if he is Lord over all, then he should be Lord over our life. And it should be evident in it as we follow him and him alone. Verses 16 through 18, one more, or through 20, one more time in Matthew 28. Now the eleven went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. We live in a world full of doubting. Are you really telling the truth? Are you just being sarcastic? Did he really raise from the dead? How can we trust this? It was so long, it was so long ago. And Jesus calms the fears. He puts away the doubts. He forgives the denier. The betrayer is no longer with him. He conquered sin and death, walked out of the grave to reign eternally as king over kings. And he says this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And if this is true, then we worship Christ and Christ alone. Lord Jesus, help us this morning and throughout the rest of the day to see that you are it. As we search for significance, as we search for more deeper meaning, what does it mean that the stone rolled away? What does it mean that the cloth was folded up? What does it mean that it was on Sunday? What does it mean? What does it mean? Lord, help us not to be distracted by those things. God, as we doubt, as we are tempted to doubt and tempted into temptation, to be pulled away from you. God, help us to see Christ for all that he is. God, help us to worship Christ and Christ alone. Help us to seek Christ above everything else. God, help us to recognize this morning that we cannot save ourselves from ourselves or from anyone else, that you have authority over all things. And because of that, we worship you and you alone. God, so thankful that we get to celebrate that we can have joy we can have hope we can have peace because of what Christ has done we can have joy we can have hope we can have peace because of what Christ is doing God we can have joy and hope and peace because of what Christ will do so God help us to see our need for our Savior help us to see need for confession of Christ as Lord help us to trust in truth God help us to see that if Christ walked out of the grave, God, that all authority belongs to him. God, help us to recognize there is no other name that we should bow down to, no other thing that we should bow down to. We should worship you and your son alone. God, help us. I'm so thankful that you give us, you give us your Holy Spirit so that we are not abandoned that we can abide in you. We can accomplish your will as you work through us. God, help us to respond faithfully to you, to you this morning to bring you glory and you honor and you alone. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We sing a song of invitation.